Vintage Stories podcast is sponsored by Kari Wine. That's kariwine.com in Australia and New Zealand for innovations in winemaking, brewing. I'm not sure if they do some distilling stuff, but I'm sure they have some things that cross over into that realm. But the big news right now is they have this new product called Smart Analysis, which if it works the way I think it's going to, and I'm sure it will because these guys always come through, uh, it's going to be your sort of all-in-one laboratory analysis. It can, uh, with these different reagents, uh, check yan, so that's yeast-assimilated nitrogen, malic acid, tartaric acid, glucose, fructose, alcohol, color, I'm guessing that's some sort of anthocyanin test, uh, free SO2, total sulfur, PHTA, and more. Crazy. Uh, it's probably going to piss us all off that we spent money on <laughs> all this other lab equipment and this thing looks pretty affordable uh, and you can sort of pick and choose which reagents you want to use to fit your winemaking needs uh, to that best suit you. Uh, there's going to be a presentation on the 31st of July at Paratua Winery, 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. RSVP with Dean Wishart. That is, uh, pretty sure that is, what, Dean at, or just uh, do it at info at kariwine.com. You can RSVP there and check it out. I'm sure it'll be coming around to different wine regions. I think this is already in Australia or being launched in Australia at the same time check it out. It's going to be pretty cool, particularly for some of these small wineries that, you know, you don't have room, let alone the budget to build a giant lab. You can have this tiny little machine. Uh, if you go to kariwine.com and ask about it, or they might even have some pictures up there already. It's not very big, something that can just fit on a little table and, uh, do all your lab needs. So check it out. Kariwine.com. We're also sponsored by decibelwines.com. As always, use the podcast uh, promo code DB podcast to get 10% off your first order. We got some new wines coming up soon. Uh, a bunch of new vintages up there right now, including the 17 Pinot, which I'm damn proud of. It's came, come out really good. Uh, check it out. Decibelwines.com ship all over the world, United States, even you Brexit people in the UK. Don't worry. We can still get it there all over Europe, Australia, Singapore, Japan, Hong Kong. Check it out. Decibelwines.com. Okay, welcome back to Vintage Stories. Uh, again, we are amidst a series I did down a few weeks ago at the Organic and Biodynamic Wine Making Conference down in Blenheim here in New Zealand. Uh, I'm going to just do a quick short introduction. Basically, this is a chat with Sebastian Tremont and Christian Rodriguez from Emiliana Vineyards. Uh, organic vineyards in Chile, the largest organic vineyard and winery in the world. Uh, so those folks who think you can't do this type of stuff on a large scale, these guys will prove you wrong. 
It's a great conversation. Um, I will say I did hear Sebastian's presentation before we spoke. Uh, He's the sustainability manager, and Christian is the GM. He spoke later on in the conference, uh, and that was amazing. I'll follow up our chat with a bit more afterwards. So here is Sebastian and Christian. Just get started, and uh, can you please introduce yourselves first? Yeah, uh, my, na- my name is Christian Rodriguez. I'm CEO at uh, Milian Organic Vineyards. Okay. And I am Sebastian Tramon, and I'm the Sustainability Manager at Emilian Organic Vineyards. Uh, well, welcome to New Zealand. Thank you very much. So you guys came with a bit of a delegation. Uh, many pe- how many people did you travel with? Uh, five. Uh, the idea was we, we were invited to to the conference, but we wanted to stay one one week or a little bit more than the conference to take the opportunity to check what you are doing here in New Zealand in organic and biodynamic. So we we are coming with the guys from Viticulture, uh, we're coming with the w- chief winemaker, and also with uh, an operational person that is in charge of all the sellers, uh, technical th- operational. Great. And, uh, and Sebastian, of course. That's yeah, and, 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 and <laughs> yes, the key people as well. So you'll be speaking uh, on Thursday. Thursday. Great. Uh, quite an operation in Chile, huh? How many hectares of vines? So we have uh, our own um, vineyards are about 850 hectares, um, that which are uh, all biodynamic and organic. And we have about 450 Hectares that uh, hectares that we work with our producers, and you guys transitioned. You know, as you were saying, quite early in the game was late '90s when you started. Yes. Yeah, 1998. And let alone the perception in the world, what was the perception in Chile at the time? Not only in Chile, you know, when I started in Emiliana, I was in charge of selling the wines in not only in outside of Chile, you know. I yeah. was in charge of knocking doors in Sweden, Denmark, Finland, and and well, in many countries like the U.S even in Asia and at that time in some countries was a, a very small niche mm. uh, nothing else in Chile nothing who nothing. do you think was on the the forefront of that because you're 55 countries you said you were exporting wine yeah to. well has changed but for sure the guys in terms of uh, market share th- th- that they are leading are the the Nordics Nordics Nordics, yeah. Nordics yeah. And, and and also Canada but mainly Denmark Sweden and Finland are, are and it was like that in the early noughts, late 90s as no, well? No, the, the early 90s, nothing. They started like maybe 10 years ago, they started pushing. Uh, for example, just an example, Sweden, which works as a monopoly, like uh, eight, 10 years ten years ago, they, they had 2% of uh, of all the, the, the wines and spirit were organic. And they wanted to reach the level of 20 in uh, 10 years time. They reached less than 10, and now they have 23% of all the market share. All the spirits and, and wines are organic. That's 23, great. not not so. They re- they really make the change. Um, yeah, I'm just you know thinking as you're speaking because I make a bit of wine and I sometimes deal with Canada and I've dealt with the uh, the big uh, you know state systems, if you will, in some of the Nordic countries. Uh, obviously, uh, a little easier if you have some volume to come through and to promise through so that's probably been a bit of an advantage to you but uh, it's good to hear that at least they're looking for more organic stuff as well which typically is some smaller producers so uh, that's good to hear (laughs) I mean 
uh, when you are conventional, I mean, I think that conventional or chemical companies are in a uh, worse position. Yeah, because, I agree. for example, in Chile, are you gonna take uh, another Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile if there is has plenty in more than 20 years they have been pushing the so Cabernet Sauvignon in a very cheap prices mm. and they're all ov over the, the, the world? Or it's going to be much better to push or to have an organic Cabernet Sauvignon. And I, I was going to get to that because uh, I, yeah, I haven't had any of your wines. I would love to try some soon. Um, sounds like if I travel the world, I can find them <laughs> now that I now that I look for them. Uh, but it did look like you had a lot of red blends. Was that right on the on the website? So yes, uh, the 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 most iconic wine that we have and the the, the which one that we started with the project. It was Coyam, that is a red blend, and that's the, the most important one that, that we have so far. But we have all different varieties, so we have our, our about 30, 30 different, okay. different wines. So and mostly all of, the, <laughs> all of them are red, but uh, we also have some, some white wines, probably, probably not as good as the, your Sauvignon Blanc yeah. here, but we're, we're learning. So and is that the main white? Uh, that, and I've had a lot of Chilean Sauvignon Blanc over the years, but what other... What are the varieties? Yeah, what do we you have most uh, successful probably? Yeah, from actually, from uh, we are growing. The, the most successful wines has been rosé, rosé, low, like low alcohol rosé, not so much low, but but it's low alcohol, like 11, uh, 12 like percent. It's 12 now. We yeah. would like to put it in under 10, but now it's a 12. But 12 is less than a regular Chilean wine. It is, you know. Sure. Also, Pinot Noirs, you know, are going up for us in incredible. Also sparking ones, you know, so that the end organic great. is very related to products that are low in alcohol or sugar, you know, that are also uh, like rosé or, or sparkling ones. So, so if we're, you know, um, if we're talking about, you know, you're t we've mentioned Cabernet before, and now you're talking about Pinot Noir. Uh, how far apart are these vineyards? You know, is is or are these up hillsides? And you know, in t well, you have everything. You have everything we. For you guys, I mean, not yeah. you know, obviously yeah, Chile is a big country. But Chile is a big country. Well, it could have 3,000 kilometers uh, continental uh, from north to south. The LGBT cultural area is around 1,000 from north to south of where the places that you, you can plant, maybe moving moving south in the future for the, the climate change. Mm. So we have a small winery up in the north, uh, close to the desert. And we have down south, like uh, in the Lake District, 500 or 550 kilometers south from Santiago, which rains a lot and rains more than here, maybe eight or a thousand millimeters here. Sure. So, and also we are close to the Andes, which is, you know, the second largest uh, range mountain that is after the Himalayas, but also we're close to the ocean. We have a winery very close to the ocean where we grow uh, mainly whites and Pinot. Yeah. So we have most Cabernet close to the Andes, uh, whites close to the ocean, or whites close uh, up in the south or in the north, you know. Yeah. We can play a lot with, with variety in different terroirs, I'd say. And classic Vitis vinifera? The classic one, yeah. yeah. Vitis vinifera varieties. No, no tables. No. No, uh, and, uh, you know, classic French variety. I won't make you list them all. No, but it's mainly French. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chile plays with a lot of French. But now it's uh, it's sometimes for some varieties that we're planting, some Italian, some, Fre some, some Sp Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. So like Garnacha and Tempranillo, we Great. are doing it. And also we had just planted a little bit of uh, Bermentino from Italy. One and of my um, But mainly French, yeah. And um, 
one of the slides from your presentation that I really liked, and I hope uh, they will become uh, available to us, uh, was, I think it was one of your last slides, and, you, and, it, and it showed who you are cooperating with across the world uh, with, uh, I think it was biodynamics, soil, compost. Uh, again, something, uh, I think one of the things I wanted to get out of speaking to you guys about is that I couldn't do that, you know. I think it's, there's there's definite advantage to having a big company and I, and and being able to see massive, what, whether it's data or or it's uh, looking at different varietals, and being able to have relationships. I look like a couple from France uh, had a big. They were sitting in a big hole. Uh, how did you do that? You know, is this long relationships? Is these new things? And is this just reputation that's kind of gotten across the world for you guys? So yeah, you're right in terms that uh, that's uh, an opportunity that we have because we are large and so so we can manage to do that. Uh, and yes, we are building relationship with them. Uh, we first in, in in the particular case, for example, of Vincent Masson, who help us a lot with the biodynamics. He's very picky in terms of who he yeah. works with. So if you are not really involved and, and, and you got to be dedicated, yeah, yeah. yeah, you have to be there. So the first visit was okay. Show us what are show me what are you doing as Emiliana? Are you really into this? Because I don't want to waste my time with you, and and that's the way that we are building the relationships with them. So yeah, we have uh, uh, a strong connection with them. We invite them, but we are not like permanent consultants. So mm. usually yeah, we have a, a problem. This is something that we want to achieve, and we go for them. They say, okay, this is the plan. We want to work in this area. And solve this challenge, and and that's the way that we are working, and it's it's working well. We work also in in collaboration with other vineyards in Chile. So when uh, they come to Chile, they also try to visit another uh, companies there. So we try to collaborate. The, the community of organic and biodynamic, just like here, is small in Chile, and we collaborate a lot with that kind of things. And do you think you're you're Probably bad terminology. Your virus is spreading. To uh, have you had some friends and some colleagues that have sort of come to the good side, and I don't want to say the dark side, but come over to the organic side and said, "Man, what they're doing is looking really damn good over there." So, um, have you had some some old timers change and things like that? Yeah, many of them. Uh, it is funny the story, you know. But uh, at the beginning, many wineries said to us because we were big at that time after and before that we were organic you know also big in terms of conventional wines chemical wines big volume as well and uh, cheap wines and many of them when we said to them we are gonna uh, we're gonna transform everything to into organic you know they say you are totally crazy <laughs> you are totally crazy you will not do it it's gonna be uh, less productive less yield you're gonna um, lose money and blah 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 many of them today ask not only for our expertise uh, but they also are asking for wine. Uh, that if we can develop a uh, brand for them, because sure. they don't have the plantation, so if they we can sell just the wine, organic, organic wine, you know, many of them, the biggest actually in Chile, they are just developing organic uh, strategy, organic wines, and they would like to have our wine. So it has been a big change for us, you know, that they, 20 years ago we were the crazy ones, and yeah. now we are the trendy ones, you know what I mean? That's great. Yeah. Um, one thing that just came to mind as well is uh, when we speak about biodynamics uh, you know my my wife uh, studied Steiner education mm -hmm. so in our family we do a bit of 
biodynamic gardening and things like that. I'm, uh, I don't own a vineyard, so I can't say that I, but if I did, I would go that way. <laughs> um, but one of the conversations we have, which is, is quite interesting, uh, and I read a really great paper by a grower in uh, Italy, an Italian woman recently is a biodynamic, who you might remember her name, but I don't. But basically her argument was that Rudolf Steiner wouldn't have stopped with just because he died in whatever year, you know, he would use a lot of the tools and modern technology. And sometimes a lot of the biodynamic vineyards can get caught up in trying to follow everything by the book of what he said. And on the education side, you know, my wife, she went to a, she's got a degree now in education for early childhood, but she has the sort of same, she went to a Steiner school at first and and she's worked in Steiner schools and sometimes it's tough to pull those people out and say, listen, you know, I don't know what the equivalent is in education, but if he had a microscope or if he had, you know, DNA materials, he would modernize these things. And uh, I think this is what this Italian woman is uh, speaking about. And I'll try to send you the paper because it was a gorgeous article. uh, Very, very well written. And, uh, you know, could you speak on that a bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. So last year we, every, every year we have a, it's an equivalent, sort of equivalent to this conference in, in Chile and Argentina. So we meet all the uh, wine growers or biodynamic in Argentina and the other year in Chile. And last year we had in Chile a Jean-Michel Florin, who is the, lead, who is the guy who leads the, the, the agriculture, agricultural section in the Goetianum that is like the mecca for the uh, anthroposophic movement, not just the biodynamic uh, agriculture, but also the anthroposophic medicine and the anthroposophic education as well. And, and he was talking especially, specifically about this topic and the way that we have to learn from uh, technology. And technology is not an antagonist to biodynamics. And if you want to be uh, good at what you are doing, you cannot uh, be dogmatic. Sure. Uh, so there are things that are changing and, and we have, we, we face a, a, a lot of things, not only with technology, but also regarding the preps and the requirements that are in the, the matter standard, because the, the matter standard was, or at least the one that we are using, the international one, was developed in Europe, in Central Europe. That is totally different than Sure. Chile, Australia, New Zealand, the California. Water spins the other way, first yeah. of all. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. So so it's something that it's changing. It's not something that is static and that you have to follow that. You have to biodynamic is a lot of observation and you have to try and you have to learn and you have to see what works well. And if that includes technology, go for it. Yeah. I'm not talking about a genetic modified sure, organism no. and things that it did that, but uh, you have to go for that. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some stuff. Even one of I'd heard so much about James Milton. I don't know if you know Milton Vineyards up in Gisborne, but he's kind of the biodynamic sort of godfather in New Zealand. He was one of the first ones to do it in the early '80s in New Zealand, and I'd read so much about it. And you know, you have to stir this thing and that. And then I walked by his vineyard, or, or on the way into the winery, and he had this pool thing that the water came down and did the the vortex for him. Yeah, yeah. And I thought why don't they put that in the book? That's like <laughs> such an easy solution, you know? Yeah. And uh, they make you feel like you're going to be farming in the 20s, you yeah. know, or something. But uh, it's, it's um, yeah, it's it, it needs to be modernized. And, and especially after that last speech, we heard the blockchain and all these traceabilities. And you, you it seems like more and more we're going to have to provide evidence. And hopefully that, I really believe that 
that'll be the thing that'll push all this up to the forefront is when people can just look at it and go, oh, shit, this is bad for me or this is really good for me as well. So um, I guess I won't keep you much longer. I feel like we could talk for a couple (laughs) hours, but uh, we got a conference to get to. And uh, thank you guys for sitting down and talking to me. Is there anything else you want to say? to? I mean, people, predominantly our audience is in New Zealand and America, uh, but also a bit in Europe, uh, Canada, and Australia as well so uh, anything else you want to say maybe plug the website I'll put all that up on, when I post it but if there's anything you want to say before I uh, besides cheers and goodbye no, yeah well first thank you very much for the opportunity for the time and Sebastian spoke today very well I was big on Thursday and uh, just the main message that I will speak on Thursday will be that many many people since we started and now, for example, when we come to a conference, always ask uh, why. Why you did it, why you changed it, and why organic, or why in a large scale. And we say, why not? Or why conventional, you know what I mean? It's really, there is too many excuses, or many, yes. many people trying to put this thing down, and when at the end it's very simple to do it, mm. it's really very simple, and at the end, people know that it could be simple, but also they are very afraid about the money, you know, about the cost. Uh, and cost is a thing that you have to analyze not in one year, in two years. You have to analyze in the long term, especially when you plant vines in for 20, 30 years. That has to last 20, 30 years. Sure. How is it going to be your cost in 30 years if you continue increasing your level of pesticide or any chemicals that you put on the, on the, on the vineyard? So at the end, there is too many negative things when you speak about organic, when at the end, it's much more complicated or negative the things that are going around pesticides, you know, or chemical farms, you know, so much more or less the the big message here, you know. Yeah, and I think um, I just keep coming back when I hear people speak and I go to these things and I talk to growers where I live up in Hawke's Bay or Martinborough, what side of history do you want to be on, you know? I think of my grandfather and he would just say these people are insane, you know, he was a farmer and and it's, it's... that's what it comes back to is, you know, and I think about my daughter as well. You know, you think about the generations and you go, what, what do you really, at the end of the day, what are you going to be remembered for? You know? Yeah. So, so uh, I, th- I thank you guys for doing it. I can't wait to taste some of the wines. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cool. thank you thank you sebastian Dramon, christian rodriguez that was a great conversation again the largest organic winery in the world so a real honor to speak to those guys um i've got a little order on the way because as it turns out emiliana wines are available here in new zealand and we're not talking super expensive wines i think christian alluded to that during our conversation some of these wines in new zealand for instance are 15 dollars, 19 dollars. they do have that Quiam wine that is 46 or something, but you know, that's a reserve, beautiful wine. Well, uh, yet to be seen, but I, all the reviews I read was that it's pretty serious. Uh, so, you know, what is it? What, you know, 15 years ago, people were saying to me, well, organic wine is not of good quality and we need to make great quality wines. Then Chateau Palmer, Chateau Latour, Domaine Leroy, Domaine Lafer, you know, these premier crew, first growth wines, 
are all switching to organic and, and specifically biodynamic productions. And they're doing it for their soil health and the, and the quality. And their quality has, if anything, gotten better. Their production has gotten stronger. They're more susceptible. Of course, there's tough years, just like uh, anything. They're, but they're less susceptible. I don't know if I said more there, but less susceptible to disease. They always say stronger skins, more consistent production, higher quality. So that was sort of proven wrong. And then folks started to say things like, well, it can't be done on a commercial scale. You know, there's, you know, you need to make money and can't just have these premier, you know, premium wines. Then the likes of Villa Maria and, of course, Emiliana, the people we were just talking to, you know, Yalens, people, giant wineries are doing this now. Uh, why? Because they want to make money, because they want uh, to be on the edge, uh, to be the, the people that are doing the things that are... Um, you know, going to set them up for the future. And don't just stop there. I mean, blockchain is coming. They said it. Uh, we mentioned it in our podcast. Uh, probably will come up a couple more times in these podcasts. But I just heard that the, an Australian guy or a couple guys um, based in Clare Valley, I think it's Jim Grosset and David Trivers, uh, have developed blockchain technology for screw caps so basically you're just going to be able to go into a wine shop and this is not far off this is all coming because you can start to do it with other products now as well and this traces you know from your cell phone it traces the wine all the way back uh, and New Zealand's already set up for this because we have all these audits and um, sustainability things so we're going to fall right into this really easy and they're going to be able to see what's in the wine. Was there egg whites used in uh, finding it? You know, if you want to do that, great. That's cool. Is it vegan friendly? Is it not? Is it biodynamic? Is it organic? Did you use glyphosate? Do you not use glyphosate in your vineyards? All these things are coming, guys. I hope you're ready. I'm trying to everything I can do for the people I work with. I just heard this week that the Malbec, the bulk of the Malbec Nouveau vineyard that I buy the Malbec Nouveau from is not going to be using weed sprays anymore. It's great news. I know they're so happy with the decision. Feel a lot better walking through that vineyard. Anyway, going back to Emiliana, I just want to say a few more uh, things about them. First of all, both of their presentations are on YouTube. It's just not on a listed page. And the links are way too long and complicated for me to actually say them out here. So I'm going to put them on the website. So that's dbpodcast.org. You'll see the picture for this episode, which I believe will be episode 62. And just scroll down. There'll be a description about these guys and links and stuff uh, to their information. But I'm going to list the three days. I don't know why they're not publicly listed and promoted. I think everybody should have this information excuse me, information. I mean, this is what this conference was all about, but maybe they'll change that or maybe they're just being humble about it. I'm not sure, but I will encourage folks to go look at these presentations and check out, you know, just start with the people that, that you hear on here. You're going to hear, uh, George, my George Meisner, um, and a great woman from Cynthia, uh, Demers from Tasmania, if you hear Anna Flower Day, who's spoken a lot at some of these conferences, and she hosted or emceed the second day, you're going to see some of these people speaking on here. Uh, I encourage you to just look through, read them. Again, I'll talk about 
Robin O'Brien, uh, her presentation. And yeah, there was a woman right before her, Dr. Andrea Manette J. I'm sure it's not saying that right. She's a Dutch doctor down at Massey University who spoke about cancer causing agents, disease causing agents, and some of these weed sprays and things and nasties that are uh, in some of these vineyards and in, you know, some of our food. Don't, don't think, you know, wine, we're probably on the low end of the spectrum of this stuff. Look into your food, guys. Anyway, check out those two. They're 1.7 and 1.8. So day one, the seventh speech, day uh, two, or day one, the eighth speech, Robin O'Brien. Those two in a row, whew, they are heavy hitters. They're long, but if you listen to them, uh, you know, you can just get play YouTube on your phone and uh, listen to them just like you can listen to this podcast. Um, so check those out. There'll be the links there. The other thing I want to mention, which is a much lighter note, I know some of the stuff's really heavy, and a much lighter note, a buddy of mine who is from Philly and certainly doesn't need any of my plugs, um, Dan Dunn, is he's an old booze writer. He's, he's written for Playboy magazine and syndicated press thing, junkets on... Uh, wine and spirits and beer for years and years. He's written for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He uh, has had a few different podcasts. He's on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Uh, just a fantastic writer, a great guy. He's got a really cool podcast that he started, uh, and I really like the tone of it. It's fun, but very educational. I think it's the best thing he's done as far as podcasting to this stage, uh, and it's called what we're drinking with Dan Dunn easily found on all the podcast apps. Check it out. They're all like half hour type of episodes. He interviews some pretty famous people. He's pretty well connected because of his history, but he's just a good dude from Philly. We've crossed paths a few times over the years and, uh, I think you guys should check it out. I think you'll like it. Um, and it might be, <laughs> I don't want this, uh, series on organic and biodynamic things to be too heavy. Uh, so, uh, just a little little something fun on the side to go check out. But don't get me wrong. Overall, I am very optimistic about where things are headed. I just said, um, you know, a lot of our growers are heading into organics. And there's a huge wave. I feel like it's starting to rise here in Hawks Bay. And there's a lot of people really paying attention to it. I just saw an awesome undervine machine yesterday at William Murdoch Vineyard where I get my Malbec from. These are, that's really the last sort of frontier is, is undermine management and everybody afraid to stop weed spraying, but more and more people are taking that leap. So I hope they continue to, and I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with, uh, Sebastian and Christian from Emiliana, and I hope you can check out their wines. They're on Glengarry's website here in New Zealand. And as they said, I think in 55 countries around the world, so you shouldn't have a problem finding their wines. They make a bunch of different wines, so there's a lot of different ones to try. And start there. And check them out on Instagram. They are at Emiliana Organic, at Emiliana Organic. And guess what? We have our own Instagram now. Uh, Rachel, who works with us, has been done a great job launching this. She's launched a bunch of clips from previous episodes, a bunch of funny pictures of me with some really cool people. And that is at DB Vintage Stories. 
So go follow us there. That is a good way to check out, you know, maybe some interesting old episodes very quickly where we have posted up all these little clips and we continue to post updates. So check us out there, DB Vintage Stories, and go out and buy yourself some organic biodynamics wines and see how it makes you feel. The vibrancy. Cheers. Cheers.